Um, so this morning, um, Steve is not here. Um, he gave me a call yesterday afternoon, and um, he went to the doctor, and, and he has pneumonia and bronchitis. Um, so he asked me if I could speak. So um, this morning, we will be continuing the Old Testament. Instead of studying the book of Amos, we're going to actually jump over to the, to the book of Daniel. Um, and hopefully look at a story that has been familiar to all of us and look at it with, with new eyes um, and hopefully um, be challenged by the truth of God's word this morning. So if you want to flip over to Daniel, we're going to look at um, chapter 3, but we're actually going to start in chapter 2. Um, Uh, we'll start in chapter 2, verse 31. So the context of where we're starting, we're going to start in the middle of a, middle of a passage. Um, but what happened is um, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. and He came and he um, in, and destroyed uh, Jerusalem and he took Judah captive. And along with Judah, he took some, some of the men and the families. And three of them were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Another one was Daniel. Uh, and he took them and they were part of the king's counselors, uh, and what happened was the king had a dream, and he was bothered by this dream because he didn't know the interpretation. And so he was going to kill all of his advisors because they couldn't tell him the interpretation of this dream. Um, so Daniel and his friends get together and they pray, and God gives Daniel the interpretation of the dream, and that's where we're going to jump in, is that Daniel is talking to King Nebuchadnezzar and... Uh, explaining the dream to him. And we're going to read a big chunk today. We're going to cover a big portion. Um, so we're going to start in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, which says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell you the king of its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And that iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes 
of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will be they mixed with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to, David, to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him rule over the whole province of Babylon. And the, king, and the chief prefect, prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, he, and a herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. There were at that time certain Chaldeans, oh, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image 
you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of the, his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the fire, furnace overheated the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. But King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and, and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps and the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of of Babylon. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you for 
that you, the way that you have revealed um, salvation to us. I pray that as we come this morning that you would give us humble hearts. I pray that as we examine your word that we would um, see how we have fallen short of your glory and how we need to repent and how we need to trust in our Savior and his grace and mercy applied to our lives. And so I pray that you would give us a humility this morning to trust in you alone. pray that you would humble us as we recognize that you alone are worthy, that you alone are sovereign. And so God, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning for your glory. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. So we read a big passage. Now we're going to hopefully touch on a lot of different points. We're just going to kind of walk through the passage um, and kind of um, hopefully draw out some points. And what I want us to really see is that the passage we just read is about a war of kingdoms and kings. And I want us to kind of see how, how we fit into this story uh, by asking is ourselves, is God really sovereign? Do we really believe in God's sovereignty and his worth? And can God really save us? Um, so hopefully as we walk through this passage, we'll reflect on those questions, um, reflect on God's kingdom versus the kingdom of man and see the conflict um, that is developed and hopefully, um, exam- again, examine our lives and repent and trust in Christ even more. Um, so I, I read a little more behind the fiery furnace than uh, what we typically hear, but it, I think the passage that I read gives context to what is going on in the fiery furnace. Um, so the, a recap on, on the dream is that there was an image that God had set up and he had set up a few different kingdoms, and then this stone or this rock, made not from hands, comes down and crushes the, king, the, crushes the image, and everything is broken, and then that stone is built into a mountain forever, establishing God's kingdom forever. And so here we have a picture of God's control, as it says in places throughout the scripture, that God is the one who sets up kings. God is the one who tears down kings. God is the one who is sovereignly orchestrating all of these things, and he has a plan. And unlike the kings of those kingdoms, they will be crushed by God, by, by Christ and his kingdom. And so after Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he sees God's power over himself as the head of that kingdom, even though it was, yes, it was the the golden head, that the stone has power over the head. And the stone is is where our worship needs to be. Immediately after that image, that dream, Nebuchadnezzar, in his pride, sets up his own image. And instead of this image being partly of gold and partly of silver, partly of bronze and iron and clay, 
it was an, an image entirely of gold. So what was Nebuchadnezzar trying to do when he set up an image fully of gold? He was saying that this rock, which was going to be established into a kingdom, is not necessarily true because my kingdom is going to be forever. None of this gold, none of this bronze and silver and iron, it's going to be entirely made of gold. Because my kingdom is so great that God's not worth anything. I am the God, as we'll see throughout the passage, that Nebuchadnezzar sets himself up as God. And so in the very establishment of this image in chapter 3, verse 1, that Nebuchadnezzar's image of gold, Nebuchadnezzar is declaring that he is sovereign, that God is not sovereign, God is not in control, that he is the one who deserves all of the worship and all of the praise. And so what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He sets up this golden image declaring his sovereignty, declaring his worth, and he has a worship service. There's music and everything. And when the people are here to music, they are to bow down and worship. And the interesting thing is that Nebuchadnezzar gathered all of his counselors, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to worship this golden image, to declare basically back to Nebuchadnezzar how great he is, that he is worthy of everything, that he is the one who is sovereign and in control, that his kingdom will have no end. And so the story continues that the, the music is played, everyone bows down, um, and we come to find out that there were three guys who didn't bow down. Uh, and the Chaldeans in verse 8 come and say, there are certain men um, who haven't bowed, and most likely they were jealous that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got the promotion back in chapter, at the end of chapter 2 because Daniel got promoted, so Daniel asked them to get promoted, so their promotion wasn't legit in their mind. And so in jealousy, they come to the king and say, hey, king, um, there's these three guys who, who didn't bow and trying to get them in trouble. Not that it justifies their, their actions. Um, so they come and, and present to, to the king and say, and they continue to build up the king. Uh, let's look at, at what they, they say to the king. Uh, say exactly what he wants to hear. They, they declare to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Live forever. You already established that you want your kingdom to be forever with this golden image. So, O king, live forever. Um, you have made a decree that when they hear the music, they shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not shall be cast into a fiery burning furnace. Which sounds strangely like a place we call hell. And so... Again, we see a picture of Nebuchadnezzar who is establishing himself as God, who is the one who is the judge. And these men are playing right into Nebuchadnezzar to build him up. Um, and so they basically continue and say, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And it says, they are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province 
of Babylon. Bringing it personal because now the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are no longer just people who just got promotions from other people. This was actually King Nebuchadnezzar himself who gave these guys promotions. And so now the king is offended because his pride is being hurt because these guys whom he promoted are now going against his word and not showing him as sovereign or worthy of their worship. And it continues and says, These men, O king, pay no attention to you, which is what he wants, is attention. He wants the worth. He wants the glory. And they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so here we have Nebuchadnezzar establishing his kingdom, establishing his desire, his pride, um, his desire for praise and worship, his desire to be the eternal sovereign deity. Um, before we move on, I want to just stop and reflect on King Nebuchadnezzar as he pursues his own glory and reflect on our own lives. How easy it is for us, you know, we, just like Nebuchadnezzar heard the truth of God, the truth of God's word in his dream interpreted by Daniel, so we also have the truth of God. And yet, how often do we respond like Nebuchadnezzar? You know, we respond in our pride and our arrogance, thinking that we are so great, that we have accomplished something. You know, we're, we're so filled with our pride, and it's evident in our expectations. And when people don't meet those expectations or circumstances don't meet those expectations that we had, we get disappointed, we get frustrated, we get depressed, because our, our hope is in the establishment of our kingdom. And when our kingdom doesn't turn out to be all that we think it should be, we respond in those sinful manners. So how much are we really like King Nebuchadnezzar? as he struggles with his own pride in this passage. So how does King Nebuchadnezzar respond? Um, verse 13, King Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage. Isn't that how we so often respond when things don't go our way? In furious rage. We respond just like King Nebuchadnezzar is declaring that we are, in effect, trying to establish our own kingdom as opposed to serving God's kingdom. You know, as human beings, we are designed to uh, worship and serve God, our creator and our sustainer. The, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And yet, how often do we reject that truth? And we worship and serve ourselves, what we want to do, as opposed to worshiping and serving God as creator. As, instead of worshiping and serving the God who is sovereign. And so when difficulties come into our lives, we 
burst out in anger. That's one response. So how much are we really like Nebuchadnezzar? Um, so Nebuchadnezzar responded in furious rage, um, commanded that these men be brought before him. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar says, is it true? Do you guys really, did you guys really not bow down? He said, but I'm going to give you one more chance because I'm sovereign and I'm gracious. So I'm going to give you one more chance. And at the end of this declaration, he says, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? See, Nebuchadnezzar, again, declares himself as this sovereign deity. And see, he's rejected and rebelling against the truth that was declared in his dream of this image versus the rock. Instead, he thinks that his kingdom is worth everything. He thinks that nothing, can, nothing bad is going to happen to him. He thinks that he is the one who is in control and no one can stand against him. And so, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond to the king and say, O king, we have no need to answer you. Saying, king, you are just a man. God is the one who sets up kings and tears down kings. God is the one who is in control. God is the one who is worthy of worship. You are just a man. We don't, have, we don't need to answer you in this matter. So if this be so, if we be thrown into the fiery furnace, that our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. See, there were trust, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were trusting in God. They were not focused on the temporal situation. They were focused on that rock. They were focused on the eternal kingdom of God established in Jesus Christ. They were looking forward to the Messiah. And it didn't matter if they perished in a fiery furnace. They knew that God was worthy of worship. Yes, they knew that God was able to save them from a fiery furnace. You know, they were Jewish after all and probably knew most of the stories of the Old Testament hearing of God's faithfulness, hearing of God's miracles that he has done for his people. So they knew he was able to, to do that, and, but they said, but, but even if he's not going to do that for us, King, we will not serve you. We will not worship this image because, because, O oh King, you are not worthy of the worship. God alone is worthy of worship. And so, they, they continue and said, But if not, it is, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, their hope was in the Messiah to rescue them from their spiritual death. More so than from a God to rescue them from their physical suffering. 
and they trusted in him even if God wouldn't rescue them from this physical trauma. I mean, in this story he, he did, but they didn't know that at the time. And yet they put their faith in God and his character, knowing that even if they died, that that would just bring them home to be with their God. And so it was okay that they would be tossed into this fiery furnace with the most likeliness that they were going to die. Because they, they understood that God was worthy of their entire lives. You see, they knew that the rock was coming, that Christ was going to come. They didn't know all the specific details that we know looking back. But they knew that a Messiah was coming to rescue and redeem them. And that's where their hope was placed. It was in a God who is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. And they trusted in, in him, even as it was a difficult time and physically it was horrible. But they trusted in, in their rock and their Savior who would protect them and provide for them whatever God thought was necessary. But this response of recognizing that the rock is so worthy didn't really sit well with Nebuchadnezzar who thought that he was worthy. And so what is his response? Nebuchadnezzar in verse 19 says that he was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed. He was filled with such anger in the presentation of the truth that, no, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are not God. You are not worthy. And again, how often is that our response? When someone doesn't respond to us in a kind way, we get angry. Or uh, whatever the situation is, we, when we, we establish what we desire and we long for, things of this temporal world, and we, and we can't obtain them, and we get angry, and our, the expression of our face changes. Because we think it's really all about us, but it's not. God alone is worthy. God alone is God. So in a response, Nebuchadnezzar, filled with anger, he commands that these three men be bound. And he does this, interestingly enough, with his mighty men, with the, the mightiest men in his army that he could find, he, he chooses because he is declaring war on God. He's declaring war on these people, saying, No, God, I will not listen to you. I am worthy. So I'm going to choose my mighty men, and we're going to bind these people, and we're going to throw them into the fiery furnace. We know that God is sovereign, and so what happens is that as these mighty men bind them with all of their clothes and throw them in, that these men die, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall to the floor of the furnace. Showing that Nebuchadnezzar, no, Nebuchadnezzar, wait, hold on a second. You don't know what you're talking about because you will be crushed by the rock unless you repent. That the rock 
of Christ is coming and will be established. His kingdom will be established. And God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who's in control. Even though it seems like Nebuchadnezzar, it seems like you are, God is the one who is all-powerful. God is the one who is worthy of worship. And so after he throws these men in, um, he's astonished and runs in haste because these men are walking around and talking with a fourth person who appears to be like the son of the God, of the gods. They were unbound and walking. They were not hurt. As we find out, when they came out, they didn't even smell of, of fire. And so we see that the rock indeed does have all power and all authority. That even when the most powerful king makes a decree, that God is still the one who is working through that. That God is the one who is in control. So Nebuchadnezzar, as he begins to realize this, he comes to the, the fiery furnace and declares to these men, um, in verse 26 he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out and come here. I want to pause on the de description that he gives to them. He says, servants of the Most High. And the question, uh, would that be how we could be described? As servants of the Most High? See, I find that so often I find that in my own life I serve myself. And I am a, a servant of Andrew as opposed to a servant of the Most High. Again, these men understood that God was worthy of worship and they gave their entire lives to the worth of God and they served God even in the midst of opposition. And Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that they are servants of the Most High. And so he calls the men out, and as they examine them, as all of the people there examine them, that there's no smell of fire, nothing's burnt, they're completely fine. Nebuchadnezzar, beginning to recognize, says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, and yielded their bodies rather than serve and worship any god, except their own. Interesting declaration that they would, uh, as it says in the end of verse 28, that they did not, they yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. You know, I have to ask, do I, do I know or do you know God in this way? Do you really believe and trust in His promises? Do you really trust the rock of our salvation in a way that allows us to yield up our bodies even in the difficult times and in the easy times? Focusing on, on Christ and knowing who He is and pursuing knowledge of God. Does that describe us? I find as you read through the Psalms, you find this again and again that the 
people who are writing the Psalms are in a difficult time, but instead of focusing on their circumstance, they look to God and say, God, you are the rock of my salvation. I trust in you. I don't know how, as David said one time, I don't know how I'm getting out of this cave, but God, you are my hope and my, my fortress. And again and again in Psalms, we see that these people, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are focusing their attention, not on their situation, not on their own worth and their own glory, but on the glory of God. And their lives are completely changed by it. And like these men, they yielded up their bodies rather than worship and serve their own God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar continues, and he says, I will make a decree. He says, anyone who does not worship this God is going to be torn limb from limb. Which is interesting because he still didn't get it. He still didn't get it. What, in effect, Nebuchadnezzar is doing is saying, establishing another law to promote himself. A law that said if no one worships, if anyone does not worship this God, we're going to tear him limb from limb. He was creating a new law, a legalism, a standard that, that people didn't have to know God to serve him. They just had to do stuff. And if they didn't do stuff, then they're going to be torn limb from limb. And so what he was promoting was a continuation of this pride of, of a work salvation of them working to appease this God as opposed to resting in what God has done for us. Resting in God's promise. You see, it's about our hearts as opposed to what we do. And so as we reflect on the story of Nebuchadnezzar and these three men, I don't want us to walk away and say, man, I just got to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just got to be like them. Because if we, if we say, I just want to be like them, we are following Nebuchadnezzar's command at the very end, which only leads to more condemnation. Instead, what we need to do is repent and say, man, I don't know this rock like I ought to. I don't know God like I ought to, which is reflected in my life because I'm more like these other Chaldeans who accused and served themselves. I'm more like Nebuchadnezzar who was all about his own glory than responding in faith and worship to a God who's worthy. And so I don't want us to walk away and try to be like these men. I want us to worship God like these men worshiped. You know, these, are, these men are just an example of what it looks like to have fellowship and to love God. And so my desire is that as we reflect on our lives, as we reflect on our lives in the mirror of God's word of, of this story, is that we would repent, that we would trust in this rock which established its kingdom. As we look forward to Christ, we're all in the already not yet. His kingdom has been established. He has died and rose again. That our sins have been forgiven, that they're taken from the east as far as from the east as from the west, they've been removed from us because of Christ. And I want us to repent of our pride, 
which so easily slips in. We turn the corner and it's there again. To repent from our pride and in humility cry out to God in repentance. Knowing that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he has made promises and will keep his promises, and that we can have a confidence in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for again for your word, for the story of these men who gave their lives for the truth and for your worth. God, I pray that as we examine ourselves that we too would trust in you in a way that gives you all of the glory. It's so easy for us to be consumed with ourselves, our wants and our desires. Um, and so God, I pray that you would give us a broken and contrite heart, trusting in your loving kindness, trusting in your covenant faithfulness. So God, change us. May our lives be reflected by the truth of who you are and the worship that you deserve. In your son's name we pray. Amen.